So uh, this is where I usually do a little intro about what we're going to talk about on the podcast, but this podcast is all about digital surveillance, which means you already know what we're going to talk about on the podcast because we've been emailing each other back and forth, and if you're among the digitally surveilling community, you will have read that our topic today is the extent to which we watch what our kids say on all forms of ones and zeros across the computer and the internet world, and whether that's a good thing or not. Welcome back to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Gene Bereson. And I'm Steve Schlossman. So, Steve, um, as we typically begin, um, what's, what's, what's been new for you? It actually occurs to me <laughs> how, that how you been? every time we typically begin, you say, as we typically begin. Oh, so maybe so, I should say, as we atypically begin. Or you could just say, what's new? You what's just new? start with that, um, which is not meant to be a critical comment. Um, Geez, uh, I don't. I don't have a lot to report. I don't know. My it was a nice holiday. My kids were home, which was good. Uh, I worry about the state of the planet, um, which I know is not a light topic. Don't go there, because um, once you get me started. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I don't mean even politics. I just mean like the whole state of things. Yeah, uh, and and that's not unrelated to what we're talking about today because things are changing so rapidly that it's hard for us to come up with uh, policies to um, So my concern with the state of the planet, I think I can announce this on, I'm sure I can because it's been announced publicly. Two of my daughters are both, are expecting. That's awesome. Mazel tov. Mazel tov. and, And it makes me both extremely happy um, but it also makes me Extremely worried about the planet because there's two more youngins to kind of like deal with a situation that could be, you know, that that's 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 uncertain and 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 scary. Uh, we have talked about this in other podcasts, but I think, and again, it's also related to what we're going to talk about today. I think we kind of owe it to them to not keep telling them how scary it is, even though I just said it and you just said it, and instead reassure them that they have it in them to make it So what happens when they say to us how scared they are? Because that's what typically happens. That's That's different. Yeah. Then then we say, no, that makes sense to be scared. It's a scary time. But there have been other scary times. You guys are up to the task. And um, right. we'll, we'll have your back, but you guys are going to lead the way on this one. I think, I think encouraging them that they have some say over this and then encouraging them to think uh, locally rather than globally uh, will help because right. it'll have to start regionally and then you'll you'll move out. Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of like I, I'm old enough to remember when Tip O'Neill from the great state of Massachusetts said, all politics is local. Yeah. And, and, and uh, so too with all these kinds of changes. Yeah. They're going to start locally and then they're going to grow. Yeah, yeah. I, I um... I don't know, that's not the cheeriest beginning to this podcast, is it? Well, what are we talking about? So today? the che- so this is not a cheery podcast. It's it's kind of a okay. So 
what's been happening in schools and at homes uh, with the advent of digital media is that our kids have been under surveillance. Now, I remember surveillance back in the old days when kind of guys would wear these trench coats and kind of like follow people around. But surveillance nowadays is digital. So what what is happening, and we're going to comment on this, is that our kids are being monitored. Um, electro- well, sure. I mean, you're being monitored yeah, too. but but they're We're being all... but but their emails are in schools. So in schools, they monitor emails. They mo- they monitor, you know, reports. They monitor things that they can get, you know, online. They monitor their behavior with apps. You know, even when they're going to the bathroom, they monitor their social media. Wait, what do you mean when they're going to the bathroom? Well, I mean there are apps that schools use that that basically you know the like hall pass that raise their yeah, hands. Yeah. You know, like raise That's your hand. That. And, yeah. and they click some button on their app. Yes, because you're supposed to look to see if there's people in the hallway who pose a risk to that person. You're supposed to like you're like you're, the schools are held responsible for all these things. Well, so, so what you what you're what you're alluding to is, and, and the social media as well, is that the the aim of these of this kind of monitoring is risk reduction. Is that we want to be sure that our kids are safe, that there's no danger, that there's no violence. That if we kind of monitor what's going on digitally we could potentially help them from harming themselves or others if we get some red flags. Um, and it's controversial because it's a particularly invasive, I think, kind of screening that's done you know, behind the scenes. Behind the scenes because you don't know that it's You don't know that, you're, that your uh, tweets, that your texts, that your emails... Uh, are are being are being collected and well, looked at. Well, just to think about this, uh, to push back a little bit, because because you're right. The um, the intention of this level of surveillance is is noble, right? It's it's to it's good. It's to keep kids pr- safe, right? To keep kids safe, and it it comes from a good place. I think the only thing that abhors a vacuum more than nature is capitalism. So these uh, ca- largely for profit companies have jumped in to fill this right. void with. A, gobs and gobs of software that are rolled out way before their efficacy is proven, which doesn't mean they don't have efficacy. They're just not proven. And then schools don't want to be caught not having some of that software in the event that something bad should happen. They want to be able to say, we we checked all the boxes. We did all that and we could. And not just their efficacy, not just their effectiveness in, in monitoring things, but but number one, it's a, it's a for-profit market. Um, and their tools that they're giving the schools to use uh, in order to make money within the in the uh, the companies in, are making the money. The companies the are schools. making the money. The schools are paying for this, and uh, the, the companies are making money. And what's also interesting is that in, in a number of articles that we've looked at, and we can we can share them online. There are uh, we can talk about this in a number of ways. We can talk about this in terms of civil rights and privacy. We can also talk about how they're doing it. So, for example, if they want to monitor, say, violent language, like, you know, I'm going to kill you or I'm going to hurt somebody, I'm going to hurt myself, they let's talk about I'm going to kill you. So, like, they're playing a game and they say, I'm going to kill you. The word kill is designated. But when they actually collect the data about kids using language like that, they're not monitoring other things like homelessness, mental health issues, um, other other you know, use of substances. So, so what you're saying is demographics that. such as underrepresented minorities who might be overrepresented in terms of disciplinary action. So right. how this data is collected contextually and how this data is used other than preventing harm 
is a really big problem. Well, no, but you were saying something even, I think, a little bit more nuanced if I was hearing you right. Um, it's not just that it's taken potentially out of context, but that if you decide that the way you'll monitor kids is in this way, you'll stop paying attention to other things that we've long yes. known are, are very significant markers for kids yeah. who are at risk. Right. So you won't know about the kids who have suddenly lost a home. You won't know because you're not, they're not search items. You could make them search items right. and you're in whatever algorithm you're using. I mean, the thing to keep in mind, like you write an email on the MGH email server. It's not your email. We, we tend to think that we I own know. it. It's not yours. It belongs to... Th- the hospital, uh, you know, even the Gmail doesn't belong. And they could to look. Us. And they could look at it. Yeah. Now Gmail says that they won't look at it. Well, I don't even know if they say that. I would have to look at their fine print, and that's the other. But they piece could. Of this discussion. They have it. Right. They have it so, on their server. So what we should focus in here, I think, as child psychiatrists, isn't so much the civil rights issues. Those matter a lot. To me. privacy matters a lot. But let's talk about what it means from a mental health perspective for the kids. Okay. So what does it mean to know? that they can be monitored and that they are being monitored? What do we get from that? And what do we lose from that? Well, I, so let me just start and pick up on that because I think it's a really important question. We know that censorship and prohibition doesn't work. We know that if kids are, uh, if kids are being monitored you know, for certain kinds of things like you know, curfew or you know, drugs, alcohol, language, behavior, that... that, that in order to avoid being quote, caught, they're going to lie. Well, wait. Are you saying we shouldn't monitor them? I'm, for say, those I'm saying that I'm saying that one of the uh, unintended consequences of monitoring is that it may be driving the kids to either lie about what they're doing, or obscure what they're doing, or even use it, you know, to kind of get another kid in trouble, or to use it as a form of bullying or a, full, uh, a form of, of, um, of devious behavior that is not above board. So in other words, the, when, when the kids know about this, it's going to have consequences in terms of abusing you know, or uh, opposing authority, but also how, how would you feel if you felt that all of your emails, texts, uh, tweets, you know, Instagram, Snapchats are being looked at potentially by somebody else? I, well, I know they feel are. terrible. I mean, technically, the hospital looks at all of our emails. At least it has the right to. But I don't think they do. No, because they don't have the time or, and they don't have the, um, they're not incentivized to the way a school is. But y- your point is a good one. I, I guess my, th- the reason I'm pushing back a little against the um, kind of all or nothing yeah. approach is, of co- we've been, it's nothing new to monitor your kids for substance abuse. It's nothing new right. to monitor your kids for risk. That's not the new thing that we're talking about. And we would like parents to monitor their kids for this. If your kid comes home, you know, not able to walk and then barfs all over the floor, you're going to have a discussion, right? right. You're going to sit well, down and talk with them the next be, day. You're going to ask Th- them questions. That would be our advice right. as child psychiatrists. And if there's a real problem, we would, meaning that this has been going on off and on for a long time, there's a history of substance abuse, we know where that story goes, we would encourage them to get help. So how is what we're pushing back against here, the surveillance online, how is that well, different? Before I answer that in my own way, I guess, let me say that not only is it important for parents to monitor and ask questions and have discussions, but it might even be, I will, I'll be bold. It, it, it would be appropriate to say, I'm going to search your room because I know that you're coming down from your room with, um, uh, with slurred speech and staggering around, and I want to know what's going on. And as long as you're living in 
my house and I'm your parent and I'm responsible for you, I think you've got something in your room that I need to find out about. So either you can talk with me about it and we can discuss it and you can let me know if it's happening or I'm going to go in and search your room. So you're drawing then, we're doing a kind of dialectic right yeah. now, you're drawing a distinction between that and without your child knowing it, exactly. we're talking about parents here, uh, going onto their website, knowing their passwords, reading what they're up to, Ex- exactly. and maybe not even telling the kids. Well, what, what parents ask me all the time, should I be looking at their cell phones, their texts, their emails, you know, without their knowing it? And, and I say, absolutely not. Why? I agree with you, but why? Why do you say it? Well, I say it, number one, because, because they need to trust you, and they need to know that you trust them. And you're not going to do that by going behind their back and, and violating their privacy and their autonomy. This is mostly for, you know, like for, you know, late school age teenagers and young adults. Okay, so um, if, if what you want to do, what, if you really want to build trust, if you really want to have open discussions, if you really want to have conversations about drug, sex, rock and roll, or whatever it is, or about self-harm, or about feeling terrible about things, then you don't, you're defeating yourself by invading, because invading their privacy, because you're going to drive them away, and, and they're not going to trust you to actually talk about things in an open way. What if you tell them that you will be looking at their information, their social media, their text, whatever, then they'll still, from time to time. Then I think what, what they'll do is they'll either, um, you know, <laughs> say some nasty things to you and it'll, it'll, it'll harm the relationship. But I think what they'll also do is they'll figure out a way to have a separate account with a separate password that you don't know about and they'll find a devious way to get around you. So how is that any different? Again, we're just doing this dialectic yeah. thing here. How is that any different from when I was growing up, you're growing up, and you said, I'm going out, and your parents say, where are you going? to say, I'm going over to Billy's house. But really, you're going to a big party down the street where there was a lot of booze being served, and right. and you weren't going to tell them that. And of and, course, and none and of us ever did that. Never, no, of course we did. I mean, of course we did. Yeah, so... And, and kids do do... So how is this different? I think it is different. But I, I think it's different, can too. We get, can we kind of crystallize in what way it's different? Well, for one thing... Um, is it a matter of degree? It, well, it's a, I think it's a matter of a number of things. One is it, it, these, these things that are happening in schools and at home, if, they're not, if the questions are not asked, are you feeling okay? Are you doing okay? Are you, you know, uh, you know thinking of hurting somebody or yourself? you don't have those discussions, that's a missing part. And so asking, oh, where are you going? The kid might lie about it, but the kid can lie about it digitally too. Okay, so that's one thing. But the second thing I think is, is that it's our parents typically in those days did not get in the car and follow us without our knowing about it. They couldn't. We'd know. we know. Right. But now they can do all of this surveillance without one's knowing about it. And that creates an atmosphere of fear, of anxiety, of concern, of distrust, of, you know, of big brother watching. I yeah, mean, no, it does have a big brother it ha- kind of feeling. It, it has it. an Orwellian kind of feel to it that that is um, not healthy. Uh, do you ever watch Black Mirror? No. 
Uh, it's so good. It's so good. So you should watch it. Uh, it's so they're each, it's an anthology for folks. A lot of folks have uh, seen it, but for people who haven't, it's an anthology, which means you don't have to watch it in order. Each one is a separate episode, and it takes current technology just maybe a step or two further than where it is wow. in a way that's highly believable. And there was one episode in the second season, maybe, uh, that Jodie Foster actually directed or wrote, or maybe both. But the the point of it is uh, you can have something installed in your child's eyes from the day they're born, wow. and then you can go onto your iPad or, or an iPad-looking device. see what device, they're seeing. See exactly what they're seeing. Oh, wow. So at any time, you can check up on where they are, which is actually what a lot of parents would like to know. Like, have you seen Johnny? I wonder where Johnny is. Is he really at football practice, or is he not? So this person does this technology in this particular episode allows the mom to do this and not only that anything that is uh unnerving to the child the mom can kind of erase so that the child can no longer see it it becomes blurry so what is more building of distrust and dishonesty um uh, and and paranoia for good reason than technology used in that way. I well, mean, that's so the reason Black Mirror is such a potent show is yeah. because it takes these to things the a little bit to the extreme, yeah. but then it allows us to ask these questions. Parenting, uh, and we know this because we're parents, yeah. it's always been about this very uh, wobbly tightrope that you walk where you give your kids enough freedom to grow up, but not so much that they can get into trouble and you're going to blow it some of the time and right. you just hope you don't blow it in a big way. As the technology comes on and promises you the possibility of never blowing it in a big way, it becomes awfully enticing for parents and for schools to buy into it because who doesn't want to protect their kids? But what we forget is that that level of protection actually becomes harm. I think that's really important. Um, But I want to just switch gears a little bit because a lot of the the emails and texts and social media that, that, that kids are using are using with each other. And if they're monitored, I think it, it, it you know, because one of the things that we know is that, is that a lot of the, um, you know, violent behavior and to self for others, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a shout out on social media or yeah. text that other kids get. What does monitoring by the authorities, by parents and schools do to kids getting these things and taking some responsibility and learning? Like, I've got to get some help from my friend um, does it does it does it minimize or take away the um, the need for a child to have adult supervision and reach out when they when they hear or see things well, that that are really uh, uh, sketchy? So this is a rhetorical question you're obviously yeah, asking. Yeah. Um, you're thinking that it might actually make it worse, not better. I, I think that it might inhibit. The right. kids from 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 seeking help and, and from going, each other from each other and from going to adults and saying hey I need some help because the adults are watching so like okay who gives a damn so then the the problem there's another problem here which is this technology as often happens with technology has been rolled out before it's been studied it might turn out that the studies or that the technology th- through studies will demonstrate that it actually makes things a whole lot safer we don't know like we shouldn't make assumptions our gut is that it probably won't. But we should make assumptions. So among the things we would probably ask folks to do from a policy perspective is study these things. Like there ought to be big studies. How many bad events? It's, it's yeah. hard to figure out. You'd have to find, what, two schools, some using right. the software, some not. How many bad events are you preventing? Right. Or and, and, you know, there's other examples too, like uh, – if your kid leaves the computer open on the kitchen table with 
worrisome uh, messages on their social media site and then leaves the house, you could probably make a case that at least an unconscious level, they kind of want you to see it, right? Well, it's like, it's like the kid going out and leaving a, a, bu- a bunch of bottles of pills on the table and you come home from, from being that's, out. That's less subtle, but yeah, <laughs> right. Like the bottles of pills. But like parents will say, no, I shut it right away. I'm like, no, if it's sitting there open on the kitchen table, it makes sense to me that you, sh- you would look at it. Uh, but you would never look at it and not tell your kid you looked at it. You'd right. say, I came home, the computer was open, I sat down and I read what was there before I even thought about it. I'm really worried about what I read. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm telling you that because I love you. Like, that's a really different message. It really is. I opened your computer, figured out what your password was because I have a device in there that allows me to see what type, what you type when you type it. That allows me to know your password. It's fed only to me through my texts. And when that happens... I can, uh, that noise that you're hearing, by the way, is <laughs> yes, Dr. Barrison's cell phone, which he forgot which to turn it's, it's off. Time, We're just going to act like hunt. it's not there. It's time there. for the fox hunt. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's a really different, uh, that's a really different take, right? Yes, than, very different Than take. to openly say, hey, I happen to have read this, and it was left out. So there are ways that kids communicate in a kind of meta way that they're not willing to say in a perfectly open way. Well, well, Right. But they leave you available. And, and, and it also, it also now hypothesis, it would need research, but we, we would certainly want our kids to show us certain things um, that they're doing uh, that might be, you know, anxiety-provoking for them. Okay, so, so uh, agreed. So let's do a little experiment here. Let's say you have been asked as the, um, you know, as an esteemed child psychiatrist in the town where you live right now and your kids are grown up, but they went to the high school and the high school comes to you and it says, we're thinking of investing in this particular software that monitors for certain alert words. And when those words show up, we get an alert right away in the guidance counselor's office. And this is not made up. This software right. exists. Right. And we will call those kids out and we'll, and we'll just check in with them. And if they're fine, they're fine. And if they're not fine, we'll, we'll know at that point. So it's a screening device. We're going to get a lot of false positives, but we're not going to miss people. And it's going to cost us every person in the town will have to pay an extra $2 a year because that'll add up enough tax-wise to make this affordable. What would your advice be? My advice would be um, what other variables are you going to be looking at besides alert words? So just to use an example like... That's not advice. That's a question. That's a question. Okay, so you would... would My advice would be you need to do more research about, about other things, other things to look at besides just an alert word. So you would want to know more about how this program works. Exactly. I want to know more about how the program works. I'd mm-hmm. want. I'd want to. I'd want to know more about um, about 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 what's behind the program. I'd want to know about what other what other variables are looked at. So, for example, is there um, now again this gets us into a slippery slope? You know, I would want to know uh, whether this kid has had a history of violence. I would want to know. Whether they're looking for histories of violence, whether they, they're looking for so, socioeconomic status, whether they're looking for racial and ethnic groups, because then I would be even more worried that they're collecting databases on our kids. And what are you going to do with that data? And how are you going? So that's to, another part of it, right? It's like, another like, part of it. It's like you're not just looking at the word "I I want to kill you" or "I'm I'm I, I want to blow you up." We're looking about where this data is going afterwards. Exactly. Who? So that brings up uh, this other issue, which is uh, what if parents want to opt out? Like, what if, what if parents are not comfortable with this level of surveillance, but the school is? What options do parents have? Well, it's a great question because it's, 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 um, 
if I were a parent, I'd probably opt out until I know. But what if they don't let you opt out? What if it's just not an option? I mean, my daughter's entire curriculum is on her iPad. Every bit of work she does is sent in through Google Docs, comes back through Google Docs, is sent. uh, There's some other program, I can't remember what it's called, where she gets all her homework. Everything she does is monitored by the school online in a way that it never was. So if she wrote a poem that was really dark and Emily Dickinson-like, you know... Emily Dickinson was not that dark. Let's do Sylvia Plath. Sylvia Plath, yes. okay. Um, so if she, um, uh, if she wrote a Sylvia Plath-type poem, that would be a big red flag for the, for the administration. If she wrote to her friends, I just, uh, to quote one of the articles that we read in preparation for this, I just saw my bio grade and now I wish I were dead. But it was just a phrase. That would, that would ring a bell. Yeah. Now, they would call her, and she'd say, hopefully, geez, I, I just, what I meant is, like, I hate seeing this grade, and I want to do better next time. But what if she happened to say, I can't believe this really happened, and I really do feel awful about it, and I can't imagine facing my parents. I don't know what to do. Then maybe the, parent, the school could help. Yes. Right? So by opting your child out, you would miss that opportunity. And the, but let me, now let me come back with another dialectic. Don't we want our kids to be able, when they feel that way, to, 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 to ask for some help, to say, I'm feeling so dark now. I'm feeling like really um, hurting myself. I'm feeling like throwing in the towel. And go to somebody rather than um, uh, knowing that somebody is going to be looking at it. They may look at it. They may not look at it. They may look at it and they may say, oh, we know you. We know this kid. You, you know. We have nothing to so, worry so about with you. So the risk that you're pointing out is that if they think it's already being looked at, they're less likely to or, bring it forward. Or if they are discriminating. If, for example, you know, uh, as we know, kids of color are seen in a different light as Caucasian kids. They're seen as more violent, more impulsive, more mental illness. It's all ro- it's wrong. It's incorrect. But they, they, if they're pre-profiled, so they say, we do or we don't have to worry about this child because they're not going to look at it completely objectively. So the problem with that is, is that profiling is going to come with pre, with assumptions that may be invalid and it may actually discriminate about which kids they pull in and they don't yeah. pull in. Yeah. I no. mean, you know, if your daughter, who's probably a really great kid in school, says something funky, you know, violent or, or, or dangerous to herself, they, they probably would say, oh, we know her. She's... She's fine. But some other kids that might have some... But maybe I don't want them to say that. Well, as a parent, you might, you might say, you know something? I'd if rather you, have If them... you pick up on something that you're worried about, bring her in, call me up, let's have a discussion. You see, what I, I worry about is that we get asked as child psychiatrists to take these uh, fairly strong stances on things in the absence of the data that we could really use to draw our yeah. conclusions. We have gut senses about this right. stuff. I would love for there to be a uh, real effort towards studying how effective these things are uh, at preventing bad outcomes. I'd love for there to be a real effort into studying how effective it is for you to monitor your child's social media. I We don't have that data. I've looked really hard for that data. It really doesn't exist right now. I'm sure it will. It'll just start to exist iteratively because people will start to collect it over time. But in the short run, like before that happens, I think what we tell our uh, the parents and the kids, it's that golden mean, right? Like the technology's there. 
Kids have always found a way of getting away with yeah. things. They'll figure out a way to get past the technology yeah. too. Doesn't mean that it doesn't make sense to monitor. If you monitor too much, you might actually risk losing their trust. And at a certain point, you have to balance the importance of their trust with the importance of just, um, you know, letting them uh, take some risks and hoping for the best and knowing that you'll be there to help them if, if need be, which is not all that comforting, but it's still more comfortable than having your child think every move is being looked at. We don't like police states. We don't want to create one for kids. Yeah. But I do think you're right. We do need to research it in a way which which makes sense. So at least we know whether or not it can be helpful or not. Yeah, you know, we and we have obviously not come to any conclusions in this discussion, but that's because it's a really hard discussion. We could do this all day. I think what we need is the help of a generation younger than both you and me. We need kids coming of age now to help us develop this technology in a way that it'll be most effective because they're the ones skilled in using it. Yeah. Like you and I didn't grow up with this. Uh, even my oldest daughter, who's 19, didn't grow up using it. She uses it a, a lot now, but it came online during her um, coming of age. My younger daughter, she's never not and, known and, it. And I, wonder what, and I wonder what the high school students would be saying about this kind of monitoring um, rather than just taking it as a fait accompli, as a done deal, would they want some kind they of... They might not mind. Yeah, that's right. I, I, I'm, just yeah. one, I'm just thinking, would they... What, you know, if I have nothing to hide, you know, okay, take a look. That's why I think we need to have enlist, you know, as, as a sort of final word here before we wrap up, we need to enlist the um, people coming of age currently to help us in understanding these questions better. You and I have a knee-jerk negative response to words like surveillance. Yeah. We, we don't like it. We were brought up not to like it. There's a lot of things not to like about it. But these are folks who've grown up with a different kind of outlook on what they post online and how they do it. Maybe we should turn to them and say, what would you be comfortable having out there? Yeah. Like, get their input. In fact, if folks have ideas, they should get back to us. Would it help you feel safer? I mean, it, for a lot of the kids that get that get messages from each other, one way or another that that are holding on to like a potential time bomb they might they might want to they might feel safer if 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 somebody else yeah. also saw it and they might feel i'm not, i'm not alone yeah yeah no, so think, we don't know i think those are the questions yet to be answered so I'll, we have a lot more we could discuss yeah. on this so as we typically we did it <laughs> i did it again <laughs> i also pick a different word as we end often do as we often end as we as we come to a close um what's been in the news that's been on your mind well <laughs> geez um here i will get i'm not trying to be light-hearted on this one because there's nothing light-hearted about it the the possibility of another uh, potential never-ending war in the Gulf region, uh, it just terrifies me. I, I'm not saying that there aren't things there that need to change, but it is a very, uh, I just I just find it very alarming and um, yep. find myself sort of paralyzed around what to do about it and how to, and, how to and, think and about I it. Find, and I find, it's, and it's, unfortunately, it's, 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 if, there, if there were a war, it's not just in the Gulf because the, um, the, the um, independent or, or the interconnected militia uh, uh, are all over the world. Yeah. Um, so this kind of war nowadays, and it includes cyber war. I mean, given the topic we've been talking about, so the the new kind of a of a world of a of a war like this is global. 
Yep. Um, it's not it's not just you know assassinating Archduke Ferdinand and and having World War One. Nobody even understands how that led to World War One. Right. But so. it, see, people use that as I just did as the tipping yeah. point. But there was so much going on. Yeah. But this is this is not going to be that kind of of conflagration, which leads me to what I worry about, and that's Australia. Um, and the fact that it's on fire. The fact that it's on fire. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was just talking with with my my friend Dan Geller, who's on our faculty, and grew you know, up there. He grew up there, and his yeah. family's there. And I and we were talking about uh, you know uh, a patient, and um, and I said, oh, before we go, Dan, you know, how's your family? Are they okay? And he and <laughs> I just love it's so endearing when they say mate yeah. and he said oh thanks for asking mate yeah. it, it was like so touching but he said fortunately my family are out of danger but but they do know of people who are are you know who've had to evacuate and, and yeah it looks apocalyptic when and you it, read it, it on the and news it's, it's scary yeah it's scary yeah so again um our patients are going to see those things our kids are going to see those photos we can say this is a problem that we're going to fix with right. your help. You're, right. You guys are the ones. Who well, that's what we have to that. empower them. We yeah. have to we have to be hopeful, and we have to. And it's something that potentially can be changed, but it's going to take us all working together. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks everybody. Um, so um, that's another episode. If you have comments about uh, the digital age of surveillance. Call us, email us. Tweet us. Tweet us. us. Put it on social media. <laughs> we'll read it there. Just don't monitor us, right. okay? Yeah. All right. I'm Gene Barrest. And I'm Steve Slosson. Thanks. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.